So in, in Luke 15, there's a couple of things I want to mention so I don't forget. And that is just how much these series on the prodigal son has ministered to me. But let me just uh, share something else. I, I brought up Sister Cynthia's award. Uh, I want to bring up Sister Alicia Kenny. She's not here today, but I want to just share with you. I, I sort of teased this in Sunday school that there was something that Alicia texted me that I thought was just brilliant. And I, and I wish I would have thought of it when we were talking about the prodigal son returning to his senses. But watch this in Luke 15. And if you can put up uh, Luke 15, NASB, uh, verse 17. And this is the uh, young man. The prodigal son, it says, but when he came to a census, he said, and you know, we spent some time discussing when he came to a census, suggesting that he had taken loss of his senses prior to that, right? Kind of like insane, out of his mind, whatever. And I thought that was just uh, amazing passing. We spent about a week basically on that verse. Uh, but Sister Alicia reminded me uh, last week in a text after service, and I, I, I loved it. I looked it up because I wanted to share with you all. In, in Daniel chapter 4, if you read verses 27 through 30, 24 through 37, you don't have to read it now, but just make a note in your notes because I didn't put it in your notes. I don't believe I did. Oh, I didn't actually ask it. Mark, you already passed them. Okay, great. Maybe they are Maybe they are in the notes that I gave you guys. Yes, they are. Okay, so in, in Daniel... Um, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Remember that? The dream it was just an amazing uh, an account of a, a horrific dream that Nebuchadnezzar suffered because of his arrogance and pride and unwillingness to worship the one and, one and only God. Well, um, it, uh, it just so happens that the Lord caused him to go insane. And watch what it says here in verse 34. After this time had passed, I never, this is Nebuchadnezzar recounting this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned and I praised God. Here's what had happened to, here's what had happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He was so proud and arrogant. Let me tell you, pride goes before fall. Don't be proud. Don't get arrogant. Don't get, you know, as the old folks used to say, start smelling yourself. Get beside yourself. You know, humility is the best way to go. Even if you're good at something, even if you are the best at something, even if you won or you got an A or you succeeded or you were first in your class or you sit first chair in the orchestra, be humble about it. Be grateful. It ain't because of you anyway, right? It's always because of the Lord. We can't do anything of ourselves. But Nebuchadnezzar thought he was all that in a bag of chips and he thought he actually was a great man and that he had built this great kingdom. God broke this dude down where he was living like an animal, eating grass, sleeping out of doors, living literally like an animal, wild animal, no less. And God broke him down like that until he came to his senses. God said, you want to act like you all that? I'll show you how little you are. You're like just a dog. You're like an animal, a wild, undomesticated animal. Don't play with God. Don't get arrogant. Don't think you're more than you are. We ought not to think highly of ourselves, the Apostle Paul tells us, more highly than we ought. Whatever we are, whatever we've done, whatever we've accomplished, whatever we have is because of God. So give him the props, right? 
lest a worse thing happen to you, like in the case of Nebuchadnezzar. But I can tell you, I can tell you a situation in the New Testament that the results were much worse than insanity. Nebuchadnezzar, when he realized that God was God of the universe and he came to a census, he got his mind back. But here's the guy that in the New Testament, the Bible says that he said, I'm going to tear down my old barns and build new barns. He was a rich man, owned a great plantation, had money out the yin yang. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos just recently passed Bill Gates in terms of the richest man on earth. Jeff Bezos, of course, the founder of Amazon. And, 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 and this guy said, I have all the money I can ever spend rather than helping somebody else. I'm going to tear down my old barns and just build new barns. Why? Just because I can't, just because I can. And so God came to him that night and said, oh fool, little do you know, tonight your soul is required of you and then who will enjoy your riches and your wealth and your new barns to put it in a 2018 vernacular. Who's going to enjoy your mansions and your Bentleys and your cars and your jewelry and your cash and your extravagant vacations. Who's going to enjoy them now? Cause tonight you're dead, dude, you're out. So Nebuchadnezzar, at least he was allowed to return from his insanity to his senses. Some of us don't get back. So don't play with God. Don't think that you're all that. Don't get above yourself. Don't be above who you are. Even if God has blessed you richly, give him the praise. Don't lord it over people. Don't make other people feel bad. Don't try to look down upon someone because you may have something that they don't. Whatever we have, whatever we've been given, whatever we've been allowed, it's on loan from God. And we only have it for a minute. We didn't give it and we can't. Well, we, we can get it taken away. Like Job said, God, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord will take it away. <laughs> the Lord will take it away. Job said, I came into this world with nothing. He said, when I leave, I'm going to leave with nothing. Naked I came in, naked I will leave. Be humble. So Alicia pointed that out to me and said, this is a great parallel passage. And I agree with her hundred percent. And you read the entire account there in Daniel 24 of Daniel four, rather 24 through 37 and what Nebuchadnezzar went through and what, and the reality he came to. But I just got to share this one last verse with you. Cause I just think that it's just an amazing verse that he, he really God really took him from the, the gutter most to the other most. And verse 36 of Daniel four, Nebuchadnezzar said, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles, they sought me out and I was restored as the head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Listen, let me tell you something. When you humble yourself before God, he'll exalt you even higher than your friends, your neighbors and yourself can exalt you. You only can take yourself so high. God can exceed even your expectations. He can exceed your wildest dream. He can exceed all of your imaginations. God can elevate you in your career, in your life, your finances, your relationships, your families, your home, your car, your possessions. God can exceed your wildest dream. Trust him. Rely on him. Be humble before him and each other. And watch God exalt you. Amen.
Nebuchadnezzar is a living example. He said, and my kingdom, the honor that I received was even greater than before. And he goes on to say, as I close on this in verse 37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. Not myself. I honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true. And he is able to humble the proud. You know what? Here's my attitude. I just want to like be humble on my own. I, you know, I just want to like say, you know what? I, I need to just keep this on the down. I just, I thank the Lord. Not going to be haughty because I'd rather humble myself than to have God humble me. Because how many of y'all know God don't play? He can go Old Testament on you. <laughs> I mean, don't don't let God go medieval. You know, God can like really do some damage. I'd rather just say, you know what, God, I got this. I I I, I can handle this. I, I I'm sorry. I repent. <laughs> Amen. Nebuchadnezzar came to that conclusion the hard way. Okay, real, real quickly. Luke 15, 11, and he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, you know, this is their sixth lesson. This is part six of the prodigal son. How many of you guys have been keeping score? Part six. I know, I know, I know. Jessica raised her hand. She has to keep score because she's running the board. But, you know, I, I mean... Let me just say this. I know I've, I've listened to ministries and ministers on the radio just blow through the prodigal son. I'm being like, dude, how can you? How can you be done in one message? I was at the barbershop yesterday. And my barber said, man, I've really been enjoying this. He's not here today. He said he's going to come. Uh, remember that on his tip next week. But he said, I'm going to, I've been really, really enjoying this prodigal, this prodigal son. Message. He said, man, I've never heard anybody do a series. of." I say, yeah, people do series on the prodigal son. But I said, I don't know how a person can just tell the whole story in one sitting because there's so many facets of this account that it's just amazing. Yes, you can. You can. You can do the prodigal son in one sermon. It can be done. But there are to me just so many little nuggets and little nuances that if you just blow through it just for the sake of covering territory and trying to move on, you miss so much meat. You miss so many goodies. You miss so many micro lessons inside of the macro lessons that it would just be a waste to go, to go that fast. And, what, and what's the hurry? Where are you going to? Luke 16? I mean, I mean what, what's the point? I mean, I feel like this. J. Vernon McGee used to go through the whole Bible in five years. You're just going to be coming right back. And I like what J. Vernon McGee did. I mean, I'm down with that. But I also like just slowly analyzing, deconstructing every passage, understanding the thoughts and the message and the lessons behind it. Some, some lessons don't require six parts. To get the point, I get it. You know, there are some passages that we just blew right by. You know, I, I don't know what we did in chapter nine, but we were just in and out of there. There was 62 verses there. But this 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 chapter to me is so rich that I just thought it deserved a little more of our time. Amen. So please indulge me. And I, maybe maybe I will definitely wrap this up by the end of December for sure. But um, 
But, but listen to this. This is just amazing to me. It says in verse 12 of Luke 15, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent to him and the citizen says he sent him into the fields to feed swine which of course was very unkosher for an observing Jew. And the Bible says in verse 16, and he would have filled, gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am here dying with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I got to stop right there because that's all the further we're going to get. I just want to talk about one verse this morning. Just indulge me for a few minutes. I'm not going to be long because believe it or not, yeah, I have to go to work today. And I'm not happy about working on the Lord's Day. But it was an emergency. City of University Heights, I have a subcontractor there right now. Fortunately, Justin did the morning shift. But I got to go right after the service because uh, I have some men working there that I have to supervise and be there before the mayor comes and sees that I'm not there. But no, I'm just kidding about that part. The mayor knows I'm not there, but I told him I'd be there before they leave. But listen to this. Let me just say this to you. This one verse is just probably maybe next to when he came to a sense. It's one of the most amazing passages. Oh, but don't worry. I'm still going out to dinner if anybody wants to eat later on. Uh, this, <laughs> I'm not paying, but if y'all want to go. Uh, but, but, but. <laughs> See, y'all making me miss my point here. Stay, stay focused here with me, will you please? Stay with me. <laughs> stay with me here. So this is what I really love. It says that when he, while he was still a far way off, I want you to see the verbs here. I know, I know, I know. I get really deep into grammatics, uh, grammar, and language, and etymology, and words. But I think words are important. I see five verbs here that just knock me off my feet because I think they show God's goodness how many of you know listen to this how many of you know that God's always running toward you even when you're running away from him that should have been the Monday morning moment but that just came to me God's always running toward us even when we're going the opposite direction God's coming toward us God's reaching out to us He wants us to repent. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to be delivered. He wants us to enjoy his best. Amen. God's always running towards us. There is not a time where I can find in scripture where God is actually turning his back on someone that wants him, that is seeking him. Matter of fact, he says that he says in his word that if that a broken, it says in Psalms 51, he says, a, a, the Lord himself says, a broken and contrite spirit will I in no wise cast out. He is basically saying, look, if, if you if you recognize, you feel bad about what you did and you recognize it, I'm not going to reject you. I love that. 
you want to get God's attention, start saying, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Lord, my bad. I messed up. Lord, here I am. Lord, I'm broken. Lord, I'm sorry. I blew it. You want God's attention? You want him to just stop? You start praising him or you start repenting to him and you got his undivided. Because he says God inhabits the praises of his people. So when you're praising, that word inhabit in the Hebrew suggests taking up residence. It means building, as it were, a habitation, building a house. God essentially, God essentially sets up shop because he's hearing praises. And it's almost the, 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 the analogy there or the, the illumination there or the illustration there is that God is setting up shop as is, hey, I'm going to join him with you. You're praising. I'm, I'm down with that. I'm with you. God inhabits. He builds a house. He puts a dwelling, a tent, as it were, over you, over him, over us when we are praising his name. Isn't that beautiful? And also when we're saying, I'm sorry, when we repent, when we're contrite, God also says, I can't turn that down. I can't walk. I can't turn my back on that. I can't walk away. Yeah, what they did was horrible. It was egregious. In Exodus, on Sunday school, we're studying. And you know, Sister Mary's always saying Bible class. It ain't Bible class. It's Sunday school. No, just kidding. In Sunday school, just kidding. In Sunday school, we were discuss, we we are discussing and learning about Moses in Exodus, and when, when it, it would seem like God would 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 really, every time he would get angry with Israel, it seems like Moses intercedes, softens God's heart. And God just, I can't, I can't reject my people. Yes, they're stiff-necked, they're hard-headed, they're stubborn, they're rebellious. But they said, I'm sorry. Or in the case of Moses, he said, I'm sorry for them. Intercessory repentance. Um repentance by proxy um, <laughs> Moses intervening for the people intercessory repentance but I love these verbs it says the father and I'm almost done, I'm almost done just give me a couple more minutes it says the father says here's what the father the father didn't say anything yet here's what the father did he was looking the Bible, the Bible says the father saw him the father felt compassion for him. The father ran. The father embraced. And the father kissed him. The Fab Five. Now, I ain't talking about Michigan either. The Fab Five. That's what he did. He saw him. He felt compassion for him. He ran to him. God's running to us. He embraced him. And then he kissed him. I couldn't kiss Pat because she's not my wife. So, so, and he kissed him. And so, and so listen, listen, I started looking at, I started looking at that. I started looking at that and I thought, why? And I'll go into more of it next week. Why did he do all of that? I want you to turn. Andy, if you put on the screen for me, please, sweetie pie. If you put on the screen, Deuteronomy. I want you all to see this in Deuteronomy. This is just a great passage. How many of you read Deuteronomy throughout the week? Don't lie. 
Deuteronomy chapter 21. Somebody say, I don't even know that's in the Bible. Where is that? <laughs> Deuteronomy 21, 18, Andy, if you will, please. And someone that likes to read with a loud voice. I want one of you. Okay, I want one of you. Uh, Jessica, if you'll read verses 18, 19, 20, and stop reading at 21. Brother Mark, get ready. I'm going to need you here in a second. Uh, Jessica's going to read Deuteronomy chapter 21. And she's going to read while Andy's going to put on the screen for me. 18, 19, 20, and 21 of Deuteronomy chapter 21. Are you in the mic so that we can hear you on the internet? All right. Okay. It says, if any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, he will not even listen to them, then his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. They shall say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. So you shall remove the evil from your midst and all Israel will hear of it and fear. I didn't write it. I'm just saying. This kid is coming home to a hero's welcome. He should have been stoned by the elders of the city. Boy, I'm so glad we didn't incorporate this verse in my house when I was growing up. Because I would have, I might have been, I might have been the kid. I might have been, how many, because, I mean, other than Reg, everybody in our house probably would have gotten stoned in our family. How many of you can feel like, how many of you feel like you might have at a point in your life been the prodigal son? Yeah. Okay, y'all, y'all don't have to raise your hand. You're holier than thou. I'll raise my hand. I'll raise my hand because I think I could have been in victimized by such an attitude of self-righteousness. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, the father came out, and I believe in my heart of hearts, I have no incontrovertible proof of this, but I believe the father was looking for this kid every day. I think he was looking for his boy to come home every day. Right. And so his father ran. And I'm going to tell you something. It was undignified for a man to run. This was completely uncouth. He was no doubt wearing a robe. So that means he had to pick up his robe and run, an old man running, completely undignified, completely out of character, something that you would not see a respectable gentleman in society doing. He just broke all norms, broke all the rules, threw traditions aside, and said, that's my boy, and I don't care what nobody say. I'm going after him. And so I started reading throughout this week, and I thought, but the embrace, the kiss, I, I get all that, but I found out that there was a Jewish law. There was another reason. The embrace might have been for another reason. Little Mark, can you come up? Kevin, this is for you. This one right here, uh, Layla, is for you. And then this one right here, Lexi, is for you. Okay, so watch this. Here's why I think he embraced. Watch this. Mark, can you come over here? Don't worry, you won't be harmed in this. (laughs) Sign your contract with after that. Screen Actors Guild that he will not be, you know, harmed during this uh, particular process. I believe this. 
Get ready, Lexi. Get ready, Layla. Get ready, Caleb. And, you know, try not to kill us. I believe that the father came out and embraced the son because the men of the city had the right to stone him. So, Caleb, I want you guys to just start throwing the ball at us, trying to hit us. And I'm going to show you what happened. Don't kill us. Now, this ain't dodgeball. This is a demonstration. But, but just, just, just try. I'm going to come closer. Just try to hit us. Just try to hit us, Layla. You see that? You see how she'll try to hit us? Try to hit us, Lexi. You see that shoe? Now Kevin gonna get he gonna get he gonna get cute and try to do something over the head or behind the back to get around me. But Kevin, try to hit try to hit the prodigal son. See the father the father hugged him because he was shielding him, shielding him from what? May thank you, Mark. Shielding him, shielding him from potential people that may try to come and get their pound of flesh flesh and stone him. So the father embraced. And the only, listen to this, the only way you can hit the son is that you have to come through the father first. You got to come through the father first. The only way the enemy can get to us, the only way our critics can get to us, the only way our detractors can get to us, the only way the haters can get to us is they got to come through the father because the father is going to embrace us and he's going to protect us and he's going to shield us every direction. He's going to keep us. Got to come through the father. Here's the Monday morning moment. In a far country, the prodigal son learned the meaning of misery. But back home, he learned to discover the meaning of mercy. I'm just amazed that sometimes what we think we're looking for out there in the streets, out there in the world, in the faraway country, is right here in our own backyard. I can't repeat it because it just comes to me and I lose it. But it's on tape. <laughs> but the point, I mean, we go far away. We go looking for stuff. And sometimes God has just what we need right here, right at home, right in our own backyard, right under our noses. Whether it's, whether it's a mate, whether it's a school, whether it's a job, whether it's a promotion, whether it's a, 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 a house, a whatever, a career move. God, a lot of times, may actually have it right here. Woo, and we're looking in all the wrong places. Lord, we just thank you for the message this morning. We ask you just to bless the songs that we're going to sing and the songs we have sang. We ask you to let these words sink into our hearts. May we be students of your word. May we learn what you want us to know. And may we grow every day in your word. May we grow. May we expand. May we become just like you in all that we do say and think. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.